Hey. Hey. Good to see you. How are you? Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Turn that off. Um, what are you doing? What's up? Go ahead. Come on. What do you got? What do mermaids wash their fins with? <laughs> Tide. What did the fried rice say to the shrimp? Fry your rice. Don't walk away from me. <laughs> Is that what it says? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. What kind of car does an egg drive? A Jokwagen. What? A Jokwagen. Yeah. Get it? What do you call someone who gets mad when they don't have any bread? Lactose intolerant. Alright. Alright. If spaghetti made an action movie, what would it be called? A spaghetti western. Mission Impossible. Wow. What kind of shoes do gophers wear? Glofers. Woodchucks. Mm -hmm. Did you know on average people want three covers on their beds at all times? No. That's just a blanket statement. Okay, another one. What ah. is Starbucks' favorite city? Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> he liked that one. You see how he smiled when he delivered it? Woo! Ooh. Well, good morning, Hope. Happy Father's Day. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I thought, why not start off the sermon on Father's Day with some dad jokes, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, this is actually a, a YouTube channel that you can go and watch. Like, uh, the endless what is on YouTube, I guess. Like, who knew? But there is like a six-minute long clip, and I thought, you know what? I feel like we could probably handle about two minutes of dad jokes in the morning. Isn't that about right? Ed, I think, could do more. But uh, I feel like we could handle about two uh, this in the morning, two minutes or so. So uh, thanks so much for being here this morning. It is great to be here. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers, father-like figure, figures, grandfathers, uncles, uh, friends, neighbors, all you that uh, are an influence uh, to those that are younger. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, and it is uh, my pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, we are... Uh, I know that Father's Day sometimes is a little bit of a, a difficult uh, day for some people, what, like kind of what Sarah was talking about, where there's just maybe sometimes some different correlations with our earthly fathers that we may have. Some of them are great, and some of them maybe aren't. Uh, there's also some sorrow that could happen on Father's Day where we, where we miss those that we uh, have lost. And so today I hope that you know that we are here for you. Uh, I, I hope that you know that the Holy Spirit is in this place, and and that as a community, we are here for you. So this morning, my other hope is that as we kind of dig into the scriptures for today, uh, that we can look and see that uh, we have uh, an example of a father for us of, in God that is different than maybe what happens here on earth. We're human. We let people down. We're human. We disappoint. We're human. And we uh, hurt each other. But that's not who God is. That's not who God is. And we're going to look at that this morning uh, as we look at this story of the lost son. Uh, this is uh, a parable that Jesus tells. Uh, a parable is a story, just so we're all on the same page. A parable is a story that teaches a lesson. It's not necessarily true. It's not something that actually happened. Uh, but it's a story that teaches us a lesson where we can 
Either uh, it relates to our lives in some way or another. We can say, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, and then you can kind of look back and see this wider message to it. Uh, but that's, what kinda, that's one of the main we- ways that Jesus teaches is through parables. And so this parable, the parable of the lost son, or as what I grew up calling it, the prodigal son, uh, is one of the main ones. As I was doing preparation for this morning, uh, multiple uh, sources that I read were like, this is the cr- one of the crown jewels of Jesus's parables. This is a big one. And it only shows up in Luke, in the book of Luke. It doesn't show up anywhere else in the Gospels. It shows up in the book of Luke only, Luke chapter 15. And it actually, and what I kind of, I, I've heard these other parables before, but I didn't realize that like really, it's actually coupled up with two other ones. It's a tr- it's, there's a trio of parables that talk about being lost that Jesus responds uh, and uses as a way of teaching. So let's go ahead and jump right in. How about if you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, you want to open up to Luke chapter 15 with me, uh, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to look in Luke chapter 15. We're going to start actually in verse 1, which is where we're going to start. Because uh, I want to see, and I want us to kind of get the context of why is Jesus telling this story? Why is Jesus wanting to teach about this parable? So it starts off with this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, notorious sinners, that's pretty good, right? Uh, Often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Even eating with them. Could you imagine? So Jesus told them this story. And then he goes into the first story, the first parable, uh, the first teaching that he has, which is that of the shepherd and the lost sheep, the parable of the lost sheep. A shepherd has a hundred sheep, and he realizes one day that one of them is missing. He, He counted 99. He was short one. So he left the 99 to find that one lost sheep. But then what I love about it is, as he finds the sheep and he comes back, and then uh, the shepherd says, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. He throws a party. He's so excited that the sheep that was once was lost, but now is found, is back. So he calls his friends and his neighbors and he says, let's celebrate this. The second parable in the series is that of the lost coin talks about a woman who had 10 silver coins. And she had these 10 coins and she realized that she misplaced one. This happens. My wife and I are looking at our house right now. We have torn our house apart. We're, we bought our kids some sandals last year when they were on sale. And we're like, we know they're in our house somewhere. And we have torn apart the entire place. She, we have not found ours, but she tore apart her entire house and found this lost coin, the missing coin. And then I love what happens again. It says, and when she finds it, She would call on her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. Another party. There's rejoicing that happens. And then we get to the parable of the lost son, which which is a little bit different. Instead of something being lost in the way of like, oh, it wandered off and it's just a sheep, you know, or whatever, and it wandered off, or I dropped my coin somewhere. This is a different, this is a different parable. I think Jesus turns it up a little bit in a couple different ways. One is that not, the son is not lost because he was misplaced. He actually left, right? He chose to leave. And two, Jesus leaves this parable as an open-ended thing for us. Where, he could, where we are able to be able to see ourselves in the characters of this story. The older brother and the younger brother, uh, the, we can see ourselves in it with greed, wanting more, seeking the good life 
selfishness. Why do they have what I don't have? Jealousy. We can see all these things in these two brothers. All these things that at least in my life, and I I can't speak for you, but in my life, I've lived those out, (laughs) unfortunately. But in this parable, this story, we get to see ourselves. Jesus said, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Some crazy things happen right there, right? The son goes up to his father and says, I would like my inheritance now, please. I'd like it now. I take it, I know you're still here, but I'd like it now. And then the other thing that's amazing to me that happens is in the story is that the father actually does it. Right? Like, I know if my son came to me and was like, I would say, probably won't have any inheritance. But if I did, it probably would not be right now. You're not getting anything. You're lucky I'm giving you three square meals a day, kid, right? But the dad does it. N.T. Wright, who was a modern-day theologian, uh, he kind of, he wrote a book. It's called Luke for Everyone. And in the book, he talks a little bit about what this would be like, about having this son in the culture go to the dad and say, I'd like my inheritance now. He says, asking for his share before the father's death, it was the equivalent of saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. That's what the father experienced as the son says, give me my inheritance now. You are dead to me. I wish you were dead. Now, I want to say this, that there are times in our lives and in my life for sure where you need to cut off relationships with people, right? Like there's times where it's just harmful. I'm not, but I, I would never cut off a relationship and say, now give me your, my inheritance, right? I would never say you are dead to me. Now give me what I deserve. That's what the son did though. And the father listened. So then as the story continues on, as this parable continues, we see that he goes to a distant land, lives lavishly, spends his money, a famine hits, and he ends up poor. And then it says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Side note on that. Uh, being Jewish, and Jesus was Jewish, and pigs were not something that they associated with. They were considered unclean. So imagine, you're the Pharisees, you're the religious leaders that are, Jesus is telling the story to, and all of a sudden, not only is it like the, you hear this crazy statement of, of uh, you are dead to me, this audacious statement of that, but now they're hearing that he has fallen so low that he's going to go work with those filthy pigs, the unclean. The young man became so hungry that, he, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good, to get, looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He went from having everything to having nothing. He hit rock bottom. And there he was with these vile creatures that he— Now, I, don't, I, I enjoy pigs. I, I'm not saying that I think that they're bad. Let me just say that. The, the, what they would say, the Jewish people would say at the time, these creatures that we cannot associate with, and that's who he's with. He's hit rock bottom. 
But then he says, I remember my dad fed his servants better than this. I wonder if he would just hire me on so I can eat. So he decides to go back. He worked up this really long speech. Has anybody been there before where you have to like work up a long speech? You know, you work it up in your head and, and you think, okay, here's how it's going to go and here's how I'm going to say it. Maybe I'm the only one. And he works up this long speech to go and talk to his dad. The dad that he said, you are dead to me. Give me what is mine. So he goes home. Comes back. Full of shame. Smells like pigs. And his dad, this is the best part. So he returned home to his father. And he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The father was not just living his normal life, was he? He was waiting. Even though this son of his said, you are dead to me, give me what is mine, he sat there and he waited, expectant that his son would come back. I love it here that it says, and while he was still a long way off, he saw him. It wasn't when he rang the doorbell. But he was a long way off and he saw him in the distance. And what did he do? He didn't say, yep, you need to come to me. You have some explaining to do, right? You have some apologies to make because my feelings are hurt. No. This, this father ran to him. N.T. Wright, the, the theologian, uh, said this as well in, his com- in this little book, in this commentary. He said, in a culture where senior figures like the father are too distinct, are dignified to run anywhere, this man takes to his heels as soon as he sees his young son dragging himself home. His father ran to him. He didn't care. He didn't care what it looked like. He didn't care the shame that maybe it would be. Uh, this is like a very shame-oriented culture. And so if somebody saw, another person saw him running, they would probably be like, whoa, like, shame, that's shameful. They should not be doing that. He didn't care. Because his son was back. Running was not something that they looked upon for, as a distinguished thing. I, I, no offense, Danny. I know Danny runs a lot. I run a lot too. So no offense. Now it's different in our culture. But, but in the past, it was that... Running was not what you were supposed to do. But this, this father was so excited, filled with compassion and love, and he ran to his son. When I, uh, like I said, I, this is a, a story that I always knew as called the prodigal son. And I was thinking about it like, what does prodigal mean? And, and as I was trying to think about that, I... Um, I kind of just came up with the same definition of kind of, you know, like what the, what the son did in the, in the story, right? Spent all the, he had all this money. He went, he lived wildly and spent it all. That's what's being prodigal. So I was like, what, is, what does prodigal mean? And so I did what every uh, person does when you wonder what something means and pulled up my phone and Googled it, right? Isn't that what we do? That's what we do nowadays. Uh, or you're watching a TV show and you're like, who is that? I know who that is, IMDB, right? That's what you do. So I Googled it, and this is the definition that I got when I Googled, what is prodigal? The first definition, spending money for, or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. That makes sense, right? That's what the son did. He did that. 
he, he got all this money. He got his inheritance from his wealthy father and he went and he lived and he spent it recklessly and, extra, and, he, and extravagantly. But then what shocked me was the second definition that came up about prodigal. Having or giving something on a lavish scale. It talked about like uh, the example that they gave. It was like, let's see, you have ice cream and you have whipped cream on top and then you add more whipped cream on top and more whipped cream on top. Like more than what is needed. Giving lavishly, that's prodigal as well. When I think about the story of the prodigal son, of course, we see the prodigal son, the son is being this prodigal, spending all of his money and, and, and living in a certain way that is just not, uh, not right. But I think too, the dad's a little prodigal too on that second definition, don't you think? He gave lavishly to his son, didn't he? He gave grace and forgiveness, compassion and love. The dad was a little prodigal on that second definition here too. It's the prodigal family is really what this is. This idea where we, uh, in this family, they, they love each other so much that because the father loves them. I've experienced something like this before. I didn't say to my dad, you are dead to me and give me my inheritance. Uh, but what instead though, I, I received one time this like uh, an amazing uh, example and an amazing thing that happened to me once from my father. I was a freshman in college and we were back, my friends and I were all back for, for, our, uh, for, um, for Thanksgiving. We were back for Thanksgiving. It was the end of November and, and we're all back and we're all hanging out. And we're like, let's call Wes. Let's see if Wes wants to hang out. So we called Wes and we said, Wes, let's get together. And Wes is like, I can't. I'm hanging out with my mom tonight, maybe tomorrow night. I'm like, Come on, Wes. No, 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 T maybe. maybe. Not now, I can't. I'm hanging out with my mom tonight. He was a wise man. So we said, okay, fine. And we hung up the phone and we're like, what should we do? We didn't know what to do. And we thought, we have a great idea. Let's go TP Wes's house. Yeah. Kids in the room, it is not a good idea. Let me just tell you that. You'll find out here in a minute. Uh, but it is not a great idea to go TP somebody's house. But what we decided to do was let's go TP his house. And so a group of us got in the car. We stepped at Hy-Vee, bought a big, a big batch of uh, toilet paper, went to Wes's house. I didn't think this was that great of an idea. And I know you're probably like, Pete, come on. You're the one telling the story. You probably, you know, you probably thought this was, this was probably your idea. I honestly, this, I did not, was not the biggest fan of this idea. And so when we got there, I was like, okay, fine. And so I took toilet paper and I just did like the front porch, you know, where it's easy to tear down and, and it's not like in the big, huge trees that also were outside of his house. Other people though, were a little more reckless and they decided that they wanted to throw it up, you know, to be their big, huge pine trees that they had in the front of their yard. We got done, went home. The next morning, it, I, my, the phone rang. My, the phone was our landline, which was, uh, for those of you maybe like 30 or under, was like before we, had, before we had cell phones, we had these phones that were in our house. You had to like pick them up. You could, sometimes you had a really long cable so you could really walk or they had portable ones, but you couldn't really go beyond your yard. Um, the, it was right outside my door of my bedroom and it rang and I was like, wow, that's so annoying. I'm trying to sleep in here. I want to sleep till noon. And uh, a few minutes later, there was a knock on my door and it was my dad. And my dad said, hey, did you TP Wes's house last night? It's like, yes, I did. I TP, yeah, yeah. I just did the porch. <laughs> I just did the porch. And, and my dad's like, we, you need to go clean it up. 
And so I ended up going and I picked up my friend John, who also his parents got called, and we drove to Wes's house. And it was cold. It was like 8 a.m. in the morning, think, like the day or the Saturday after Thanksgiving, end of November, super cold. And we're out there, and the first thing we did, first thing I did, I, was, I went to the front porch and did my part, you know, and took it down. Took two minutes. It was awesome. I was smart. I knew what was going to happen. And then we stared at these huge trees, these huge pine trees, thinking, how are we going to get this toilet paper down? <laughs> Jump in and just grabbing whatever we can. And there's just, it's just covered. And then my dad pulls up. I'm like, great. He's here to make sure that we get it right, that we do it. He doesn't even trust me. I'm a freshman in college. Come on. And he shows up. <laughs> And he shows up, he gets out of his truck, he goes to the back and he pulls out some poles. And he hands one to my friend John and to myself and, and he takes one. And he helps us clean that tree, those trees. To me, that's like the equivalent of this dad running to his son. This idea of like, yes, I am here for you. My dad didn't teepee those houses. He knows better than that. Or those trees, he knows better than that. Yeah, he, was, he loves me so lavishly that he wanted to be there for me. It also reminds me of um, uh, a TV show. This Is Us. Has anybody seen This Is Us before? Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, we watched it all. Don't say anything at the end. If you've seen it, I know it's over. We have not yet watched like the last three episodes. So please don't ruin it for me yet. But... <laughs> We've been watching This Is Us, and, and uh, I, I, as I was kind of thinking about, like, a father just loving their son well, it reminded me of this show. This show, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, first off, it, I, every other episode, I'm, cr I'm just, like, sobbing uh, at the end of it. But my wife, one time, we, I looked at her, and she was, she's like, it got me twice, like, two times in one episode this season. Uh, she, was, she was sobbing. Um, but it's about a family who they were expecting triplets, uh, and one of the triplets uh, died at childbirth. And so, uh, but just through a, some circumstances, there was also an orphaned uh, child that was born that same day who they ended up adopting. The family was white, the child was African-American that they adopted. And after a while, growing up, this, this child, Randall, who was adopted, was just trying to figure out, like, hey, what does life look like? And how does this, how do I work as who I am in this family? And I'm a part of the family, but I just, you know, and just trying to ask all these questions. And so the family is like, okay, cool. Let's, let's start exploring a little bit with you. And so one of the ways that they did was he wanted to join uh, an African-American uh, karate class, dojo. And a powerful moment happens of watching a father love his son. Check it out. Now, before we begin, we have a new member to initiate today. Randall, come over here. Fathers. Randall, how old are you, son? Nine. Nine years old. Fine age. Do you think you have a good life? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> good. Good. I hope you always have a good life. But as you get older, you might start to find that things get harder. The world isn't always a kind place, especially for men like us. Take a look at the people on this map. We are your community. 
When things get hard, we are going to be the ones who hold each other up. As Randall's father, you are his foundation. Come lie down, as if you're going to do a push-up. Randall, climb on your father's back. Jack, your back was built to carry your son through life. Are you willing to hold him up no matter what comes his way? Yes. Show Good. Now keep going. Are you willing to raise this young boy into a strong man? Yes. Are you willing to push him to be the best man in the world he can be? Yes. Are you willing to lift him to greater heights, even if it hurts? Yes. No. You can stop, all right? I think that's enough. Oh, hold stop. He has an extraordinary father who gives him everything he needs. It got me a little bit then. Come on. He has an extraordinary father that gives him everything that he needs. How good is that? Oh, I... I I was, I was watching some clips and trying to figure things out at home for to this, this morning. And um, I was just downstairs in our ba- the basement just sobbing, watching different clips. I went upstairs like, Marta, my, I think I'm broken. I don't know what's happening to me. Because I just had tears streaming down my face watching a bunch of different clips about dads. I'm a dad. I've got a six-year-old. I want to be a dad like that. Now again, like I said at the beginning, I know that uh, in life there are times when people let us down, people hurt us. I know that's true. But I also know that we have a, a father, an example in God, in the way that Jesus lived his life, somebody that does not let us down. Somebody that's always there. And somebody just like at the end of Luke here, Luke chapter 15, where it says, the son was complaining, the oldest son like, hey, what about me? I never, they, they've killed the fatted calf. They've had this big celebration, this big party that the son was back. And the oldest son's like, what about me? Where's my party? And the father says, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. We had to celebrate. I don't know if you noticed in that clip that we watched was first, you know, Randall, the kid was on his dad's back and his dad was pumping out all those, you know, push-ups, which was amazing. He says, I'm not going to stop. The guy says, go ahead and stop. He's like, I'm not done. God's not done with us either. Also in that clip, there's something interesting too, I think, at the very end. And you can kind of see it on the screen here. 
he, all the other fathers lined up. <laughs> they all lined up and Randall got on all their backs too. Because they're a community. They're together. It's going to get me. <laughs> We're a community too. There's a lot of love that we have for each other. And, and that love, it comes from the fact that God loves us. That God loves us so much that God would send uh, his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. To make things right once again. Taking the shame of this world, just like the shame of the father running to his son. Taking the shame of this world onto his own back. Jesus died on the cross to make things right once again. But that's not the end of it. Because Jesus also told us that we have a command. In, the, in John, he talks a little bit about this. When he says, Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Can we say that orangish part together? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Look around. This is our community. This is our people that we are called to love, to be there for, to support, to encourage. And it's bigger than this. We have family, we have friends, we have neighbors, we have coworkers, we have where we live. Because we have received this lavish love from God, we are then to live that out. So my question for you this morning is this. Are you, do you choose to live recklessly? Or do you choose to love lavishly? My choice is the latter. I want to love with all my heart. I want to love with the compassion and grace and mercy that God has shown me. That's my hope for you as well. Let's pray. God, we praise you this morning. We thank you for who you are. God, in our lives, in our relationships, God, the fact that you love us so much that you would send your son to die for our sins to make things right. And God, we just pray that because you have made things right, that we can make things right. God, with those that we love, with those that we care for, God, show us how we can live a life that loves lavishly. God, show us how we can run to you. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for giving yourself for us. We love you. Amen.